Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. After public mass shootings, there's always these calls to do something, do something, do something. But what if what we do doesn't stop the next shooting? I want to have on this week's episode just a data-driven conversation. We're going to remove the emotion. We're just going to get into the numbers, get into the facts. And I've got none other than Dr. John Lott for this episode. He runs and started the Crime Prevention Research Center before he got into a lot of the gun research, he's, he started his academic journey at UCLA, where he got his bachelor's degree in economics. He went on to get both his master's and PhD from there as well. He worked as an economist at the University of Maryland, Yale Law School, the University of Stanford, Texas A&M, Wharton Business School, all these different places, right? So he starts at a place really from digging in the numbers. That That's what he loves. That's what he does. He had also worked as a chief economist at the United States Sentencing Commission. So we're going to get into all of this stuff with him. What would actually prevent the next public mass shooting? What's the profile of a mass shooter? Why do these keep happening? And are they happening more since Columbine or is the media just covering them more? So I've got a lot of questions for Dr. John Lott. We're also going to get into you know the latest proposal from Congress, this bipartisan proposal, things like red flag laws. You know, do they allow for due process? So I've got a whole host of questions for him. Uh, Dr. John Lott, he knows the data, he knows the research, and he's going to give it to us on this show. Dr. Lott, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation because after mass shootings, there's always these calls. We have to do something. We have to do something. But what if that do something doesn't stop the next mass shooting? You know, so I really want to just have a data driven conversation, not an emotional conversation, but a data driven one with you. And I know that's what you do at the Crime Prevention uh, Center. So I, I, I appreciate you joining the show. Sure. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Uh, right. Look, uh, everybody wants to go and stop these attacks, uh, but what you want to do is do something that's relevant for stopping them. And, uh, you know, you have this push for things like universal background checks. Um, It's been kind of the go-to type of uh, legislation that they wanted, but yet there's not one mass public shooting this century that would have been stopped if such a law had been in effect, these background checks on the private transfers of guns. And yet they keep bringing it up. And it makes one begin to think that they have reasons other than 
trying to stop these types of attacks that are motivating it. Why is the focus always, okay, well, the answer is getting rid of guns or limiting the ability to own them to some degree? I think they want to get rid of guns. If they wanted to pass something like a universal background check, these background checks on private transfers of guns, I've been telling them for over 20 years how they could easily get something like that passed if they made a few reasonable changes. I mean, they keep on saying, we just want reasonable gun control. Well, I can give you a few extremely reasonable fixes to the bills that they have uh, that would make it easy to get it passed. But they refuse to do that. And it kind of convinces me over time that they really don't care about things like universal background checks per se. They care about making it costly for people to be able to go and and get guns. You know, we're talking about, obviously, the desire to put more laws on the books, but how many gun laws do we currently have on the books, and to what extent are we following them? We have a lot of laws. I guess it depends how you want to count them. Uh, uh, There's a guy named Alan Corwin who goes around and kind of counts the number of words in in different uh, gun laws, either federally or in the state. Uh, He doesn't do it for all the states, but, I mean, for a state like California, you may literally have hundreds of thousands of words uh, dealing with uh, gun control laws just at the state level. And, And you probably have thousands of gun control laws if you count local ordinances and and restrictions people have locally uh, in counties or cities on guns. Um, But nobody's really ever gone through and systematically counted all the laws uh, in any way. It's just, I mean, we have a lot. Um, And, uh, you know, my concern is that a lot of the problems that we have are due to existing gun control laws, like these gun-free zones that are there. And rather than going back and undoing uh, the existing laws, the push seems to be, well, we need yet even more laws. That will fix the problem. And they cause more problems. So, you know, just kind of continue on the background check stuff as an example. Um, If my research convinces me of anything, it's the two groups of people benefit the most from having guns. One of them are poor blacks who live in high crime urban areas, the very people who are most likely victims of violent crime, according to my research, are the ones who benefit the most from having uh, guns for protection. Police are extremely important, but if you talk to the police or look at surveys of police, police themselves understand they virtually always arrive on the crime scene after the crime's committed. And so what's the safest course of action for them to take? And it turns out having a gun is by far the safest course of action. So we have the errors in the background check system that I was talking about, but we also have the costs. If you live in Washington, D.C., uh, Lisa, let's say you and I lived in D.C., uh, and I'm going to give you a gun. It costs $125 to go through a background check. Now, just to give you an idea of how these laws are purposely set up to make it difficult for people to get guns, let's say now I'm going to give you four guns. So it's just John giving Lisa four guns, one person giving one other person the guns. You'd think it's just one background check because the same person is getting all the guns from one person. But no, they require a separate background check on each gun. So if I'm going to give you four guns, that is going to cost $500 rather than $125. I mean, there's like no logical reason to me why you should have to require a separate background check on each gun rather than just on the one person who's getting the guns. Uh, But... You know, it's just an example where they kind of purposely go out of their way to make it costly. Now, look, if you believe, that, as gun control advocates say, that the background checks are important for stopping crime, and I, I don't believe that, but if you do believe it, then presumably you want to encourage people to go out of their way, not to just to make it for me to give you the guns, but to go and find a licensed dealer and make the transfer through them. Um, you want to encourage people to do that. Well, how is making people pay $125 tax, essentially, encouraging them to go and obey the law? Or 
you know, if you if you believe it reduces crime, it reduces crime for everybody, not just the law-abiding individual who's going out of their way to go and do the background check. Well, how how is making them the person who's obeying the law bear the entire freight of of paying for this, uh, accomplishing that? If if as an economist, I would say, if everybody benefits, everybody should pay you know, pay for this out of general revenue, but they will fight you. They will fight you against this. Okay, quick commercial break. Back with Dr. John Lott on the other side. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The reason I had asked you about the gun laws is, you know, we we look at prosecutors in major cities across America that aren't prosecuting criminals right now. So it's just hard to imagine that increasing the amount of laws in the books will do anything when we already, you know, have essentially lawless cities across America. But I want to get into some of the basics of mass shootings with you and just go through some basic questions on this. You know, the first is how are mass shootings defined? We have two definitions. You have mass shootings. And you have mass public shootings. Mass shootings are any shooting that occurs where you have four or more people killed, uh, other than the the murderer usually. Now, there's a place called the, and that's been the traditional FBI definition. Uh, Now, you have a place called the Gun Violence Archive, which is a gun control group, which uh, is what the media cites all the time, and they have their own definition. They have three or more people shot, either wounded and or killed, um, and that's the definite. That's the number that, that you hear when they say, "Well, we've had 200 mass shootings or something this year." Um, mass public shootings 
uh, is a, a, a narrower definition. And what that tries to get at are these attacks that occur in a mall or a school or a movie theater or something where the point of the attack is simply to kill as many people as possible. And um, so mass public is four or more people killed in a public place not involving some other type of crime or like a gang fight over drug turf. You know, what most people miss is that the mass shooting, uh, about 87% of those are gang fights over drug turf. And the vast majority of the rest are things like a robbery, which resulted in the death of multiple people. And uh, or in the case of the gun violence archive, just woundings or whatever. And uh, now, are gang fights over drug turf uh, important? Yeah, sure. Anytime people get killed is important. But the causes and solutions of uh, to gang fights over drug turf are very different than the causes and solutions to things like stopping these mass public shootings. Um, you know, getting rid of uh, gun-free zones, I think, is important for stopping these mass public shootings. But, you know, the notion that you're going to easily get rid of the guns that drug gangs have um, isn't really serious. Well, and if you look at, uh, you know, these public mass shootings, have we seen more of them increase since Columbine, or is it just our coverage of them has increased? The rate of uh, mass public shootings has been fairly constant. You had a little bit of an increase uh, around 2017, 2018, and it's gone back down again. Uh, And uh, you had some increase around the same time in the number of people killed. But, um, you know, one thing I think needs to be clear over the last couple weeks or few weeks there's been kind of this uh, theme in the media that the United States is unique in terms of mass public shootings. And that's that's simply false. Um, you have a number of countries in Europe that have higher per capita rates of mass public shootings than the United States, higher per capita rates of public school shootings than the United States. Um, the problem that people make in these comparisons is that usually the media and gun control people and Democrats will just talk about the number of attacks. What you have to take into account is that the United States has over 330 million people. Um, There are a lot of countries in Europe that have 5 million people or 6 or 8 million people. Germany, which is the most populous country in Europe, has uh, has 80 million people. Uh, So that's less than a fourth of the population in the United States. If you look at mass public school shootings, uh, since 2000, there have been nine in the United States. Uh, there have been three in Germany. Uh, the most deadly one had 18 people killed. Uh, the second most deadly one had 15 people killed. Then you have another one where there's four killed. Uh, you multiply three times four, you get 12. Uh, you know, you have a country like Finland, which has had a couple uh, school shootings. Um, they, they have five million people in the country. They have one sixtieth the population that the United States has. You know, it's kind of like people. If you, if with the news media, compare the number of murders in Rhode Island or let's say Wyoming with Texas or California, presumably not. You know, if you're going to compare it across states, people know you'd put it in per capita terms. But for some reason, they refuse to do that when uh, when they're talking about these mass public shootings. Probably because it's about the narrative as opposed to getting the truth out to the public. You know, I wanted to ask you, is the contagion or the copy of cat effect real with some of these when you look at the public mass shootings like these school shooters or is that a real thing? There's no doubt. I mean, you just have to read their diaries and manifestos and other things that they leave. Time after time after time, the murderers will say, if I can only kill more people than such and such killed, I can get more media attention. So you look at the Sandy Hook killer. He had, he had been planning his attack for over two and a half years. 
according to police, uh, he had put together the equivalent of a doctoral dissertation where he had looked at mass public shootings over the previous 40 years. Um, he had apparently graphed out the relationship between the number of people killed in attacks and the amount of media coverage that they had gotten. And his goal, according to one police report, was to go and kill more people than the Norway killer had killed. He, he, the Norway killer, uh, if you ignore the bombing deaths, had shot to death 67 people. That's more than any mass public shooting in the United States. And, uh, and he was hoping that if he could kill more people than the Norway killer had killed, that he could get even more worldwide media attention. Um, you know, at some point along the line, I mean, we've always had people who want to go and commit suicide. But at some point along the line, several decades ago, um, there were a group of people that knew they wanted to go and commit suicide, but realized that they could commit suicide in a way that people at least would know that they were here. And uh, they talk about, well, my name will be in the history books. People will know that uh, I was important, um, that I mattered. Because so many, when you read the diaries or uh, statements from these other murderers, um, they just don't feel appreciated. Uh, you know, women won't go out on dates with them or something, or they you know, people won't be their friends or whatever. Um, and, you know, you read the diaries and stuff and you realize, well, there's a pretty good reason why people won't be your friend. You're a really strange guy. But the um, but they want to commit suicide in a way that people will know that they were here. And so they discovered that they could get massive news attention uh, by killing lots of people. And so... They plan these things. Uh, six months is a short amount of time for them to plan it. Uh, many of them plan it for a year or two years or more. Um, and they pick and they go through detailed planning. Uh, they case places beforehand. Uh, you have like the Aurora Batman movie theater shooter. Uh, he had cased uh, multiple movie theaters before he went in there. He picked the one, there were seven movie theaters that were showing the premiere of the Batman movie uh, within a 20-minute drive of his apartment. He picked the one movie theater that banned permanent concealed handguns. Um, you see the same thing over and over again, the, the, the Omaha-Nebraska mall shooting or the uh, St. Louis mall shooting or the Salt Lake City mall shooting or the, um, uh, the uh, Portland, Oregon mall shooting. You may have, you know, five, six, eight malls in an area, and only one or two will have signs posting banning permanent concealed handguns. And so where do they go? Well, and that's also, yeah, the one that doesn't have uh, or the gun-free zones. And that makes sense because, you know, if you just look at it from a common sense standpoint, if you're looking to inflict mass harm, you go to the easiest place to do it. So I, I feel like that's, you know, common sense, yet a lot of lawmakers can't seem to grasp that concept, but I, you know, you talked about some of the the background of some of these public mass shooters. Uh, what's the typical profile for one? Is there a typical profile? There's no typical age. You know, uh, people are focusing right now because of a couple recent attacks on people who are under 21. But if you look at uh, all the mass public shooters over the last 25 years, um, the most uh, common age range is 21 to 25. The next most common age range is 36 to 40. The next one is um, 41 to 45. And then only at that point do you get to uh, 16 to 20. Um, uh, you know, you have uh, mass public shooters who are in their 60s out there. Uh, as far as other parts of the profile, they're overwhelmingly male. Uh, you know, like 97% or so are male. Um, uh, they're people that have no real political uh, or religious views. Um, you know, we keep on hearing white supremacists. Uh, you have, a, if you look at people who are anything from uh, white supremacists, neo-Nazis, or just people who are upset about uh, illegal immigration. Uh, you get about 9% of the mass public shooters. Um, 
Muslims uh, who are doing it uh, because of radical views on Muslim things are about 9% of the population, too. They make up about half of 1% of the population, but they make up 9% of the mass public shooters. Um, but overwhelmingly, you just have people who want to commit suicide and who want to do it in a way that's going to get them attention. Uh, that's that's the overwhelming common view that's there. Uh, the other thing is, uh, over, over the last 25 years, over half of uh, the mass public shooters were actually seeing mental health care professionals prior to their attack. And yet, in not one single case were mental health care professionals able to identify those individuals as a danger to themselves or others. Why do you think that is? Well, there's a whole academic literature on that. Uh, and and the explanation is usually, well, um, people with mental health problems are usually on average less violent than the general population. They're actually more likely to be victims of violence than the general population themselves. Um, and it's just such a rare thing, they'll say. They'll say, look, uh, there are about two and a half million schizophrenics in the United States in any given year. And yet, if you look over the last 25 years, there's really only one clear case of a schizophrenic uh, uh, committing a mass public shooting. And uh, one other one where there's at least an argument to be made that he may have been. Um, but, uh, you know, if I were to say, okay, of these 2.5 million people, pick the thousand most likely ones to go and, and do it, um, even if you get a guy who's in the thousand that you pick, uh, you'd still be wrong 999 out of the thousand times. And that's usually the type of argument that you see being provided by mental health care professionals. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. <clears throat> I have no problem with people spending more money on mental health care uh, for people. Uh, it's just that you know, it's pretty hard to believe that you're going to catch uh, most of these people beforehand or even a small fraction of them. And so to me, the question is, what's your backup plan? What do you do if you can't identify these individuals beforehand? And that's where allowing people to protect themselves uh, comes in. If you can't, if you can't, if you really have very little hope of identifying these individuals beforehand, what, what do you do if you can't catch them? Quick break, more data on public mass shootings. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to 4patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash Lisa. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I guess, you know, my concern is when we start getting into some of the mental health conversations, like with the Senate proposal that they just put out, uh, including, you know, funding and encouraging of things like red flag laws. I mean, we just got through a time period with COVID where, you know, I didn't get the vaccine. Right. And like 55 percent of Democrats wanted to find me. Uh, 59 percent wanted to confine me to my home. 48 percent wanted to potentially imprison me just for questioning vaccine efficacy. 45% wanted to put me in a designated facility. And if I had kids, 29% would want to take away my kids from me simply because I don't share the same opinion as they did on the vaccine. So the concern for me, when you look at red flag laws or you give increased authority to mental health officials to flag people is, could they flag me simply because I hold different opinions than they do? Well, I suppose anything's possible. Look, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you already have a better law on the books uh, for dealing with this than red flag laws. Uh, they go by different names in different states. Uh, a lot of states, they call them Baker Act, or in California, it's called 5150, where if somebody's concerned about uh, the behavior of somebody, either that they believe that they're a danger to themselves or somebody else, uh, they can go and contact the police. The police will come in and evaluate if they have what's called a reasonable suspicion about the person, uh, then they'll take them to a mental health care professional who will evaluate them, either one or two, uh, will evaluate them. And then if there's additional concerns at that point, uh, there can be an immediate hearing. Um, If you can't afford a lawyer, one is provided for you. And a judge at that point has a broad range of options. He can say, look, I'm concerned, I want you to go and see uh, a mental health expert, um, and then we'll have you come back in in a couple weeks, and we'll evaluate how your treatment's going at that point. Um, They could, in theory, take away somebody's guns. They could uh, involuntarily commit you in the most extreme cases. Um, What red flag laws do is they essentially strip out all those protections that are there. Red flag laws are virtually always used uh, regarding concerns about suicide. And uh, what happens is is that somebody will make a complaint. Uh, The complaint will be given to a judge. All the judge sees in front of them is the written complaint. Uh, It doesn't question the person. There's no cross-examination that's there. The judge, solely based on the written complaint, will make a decision whether or not to take away a person's gun. So you you don't even know that there's a complaint until the police show up at your house at 5 a.m. in the morning. And uh, and then maybe within a month, uh, there'll be uh, a hearing uh, in which to decide whether or not to make the order permanent or not. Uh, No lawyers are provided for you. You have to go and hire one yourself. Uh, I've talked to lawyers involved in these types of cases. You're talking about legal fees that will be around $10,000 or so to handle a hearing like that. Um, And what you find is that the vast majority of people uh, don't hire lawyers to go and represent them because the only thing that happens with the red flag law is that your guns are taken away. So you may value your guns. Uh, but, you know, is it really worth $10,000 to you? Few people are going to say, yes, it is. Um, the problem is, if you 
are concerned about somebody being suicidal, is it really a serious solution just to say, well, I just, I'll take away their guns? <laughs> I mean, if somebody's suicidal, uh, there's so many different ways that people can commit suicide. And the notion that simply taking away their guns solves the problem is not a serious response. And they don't involve mental health care professionals in any part in the process. Uh, only a couple of the state uh, red flag laws even mention mental illness. And they don't even provide in any of these places for mental health care professionals to be involved any place in the process. Uh, you know, I think it's a couple of things that are going on. One is... Um, it's a lot easier to write a new law that doesn't have any civil rights protection than it is to go and remove uh, civil rights protections from existing laws. Uh, and the other thing is, I think gun control people want to make uh, laws that where they say, well, if we just take away the gun, then the problem is solved, because the guns are the problem. And that's that's just silly stuff. I mean, it's just irresponsible, I think, to frame things that way. But that's their their modus operandi. That's the way they operate. That's the image that they want to get across to people. Right. And and I wanted to, so you, you talked previously before the uh, red flag laws that states already have these laws on the books. Does every state have, you know, some law, you know, in lieu of, a, a you know, a, a red flag type thing. Does, does every state have a law in the books currently addressing being able to take a, a gun away from someone who is, you know, maybe mentally deranged or whatever? Every state and the federal government has these Baker Act type laws. Every state does. Now, you know, if they were serious about dealing with uh, mental health issues, what they would say is, okay, maybe we need more funding for mental health facilities or something. Maybe they'd make some tweak. I don't know what it would be uh, because they never focus on that. Uh, nobody kind of forces them to go and debate those types of issues. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I would, uh, that would be my approach. But, you know, if you have some problem, if you think that there's a reason you need this new law, fine. State what it is, and maybe we can make a, an adjustment to the existing law. But, no, they... They won't do that. Their approach is to have this new law that kind of guts all these civil rights protections that are there. In 1994, we obviously had the federal assault weapons ban. It was in place for a decade. What impact did that have? And would banning AR-15s have any impact? Well, it didn't have any effect. Uh, um, even studies paid for by the Clinton administration weren't able to find any effect on any type of violent crime or on uh mass public shootings. Um, and, you know, it's, you, you know, the bizarre thing is you have after the Buffalo shooting, which, by the way, uh, if you read his manifesto, uh, he talks about using an AR-15 precisely because he thought it would get people the most upset and he knew that it would lead to more calls for gun control. Um, and, uh, you know, he... Uh, he bought a New York State compliant AR-15. Uh, New York has a more stringent uh, assault weapons ban than the original federal one. And so, you know, we're kind of treated to this uh, spectacle of Biden going to Buffalo and calling for an assault weapons ban and saying if we only had an assault weapons ban, uh, we wouldn't have a tax like the one in Buffalo when New York already has uh, an assault weapons ban, and nobody in the press even asks him uh, about that contradiction that's there. Um, look, uh, when you go from the 10 years before the assault weapons ban to the 10 years that it was in effect, there's absolutely no change in the number of attacks, mass public shootings using assault weapons. Um, you would think if uh, if the assault weapons ban were driving any drop that you would see in the number of attacks, uh, you would see a drop in the percentage of mass public shootings using uh, assault weapons because some of the people who may have used assault weapons, so-called assault weapons, would have switched to other types of guns. If you look over the last 25 years, 
14% of mass public shootings involve a rifle of any type. Um, uh, 58% involve handguns. Um, so they're not even the ones that are most likely used in these attacks. They could switch to something else. You can't have a drop in the total without a drop in the percentage of attacks using these so-called assault weapons. In fact, actually during the ban, the percentage of attacks using assault weapons went up. And after the ban, they went down, which is the exact opposite pattern. People can see all the data at our website at crimeresearch.org if they're interested. But, um, you know, it's if you go back and know how they put the assault weapons ban together, Senator Feinstein had her staff uh, go and look through catalogs of guns and put check marks next to the guns that they thought looked particularly threatening or what have you. There was no kind of logical difference in the guns that were there that they were doing. It was purely based on on the the list of guns that they named there were based solely on how they looked. Um, and I, just to make clear, you know, now we're having some people like Biden talk about just banning uh, semi-automatic guns. As I mentioned before, the vast majority of guns owned in the United States are semi-automatic. Um, these are guns where one pull of the trigger, one bullet comes out, it reloads itself. One pull of the trigger, one bullet comes out. So if you're talking about different types of rifles, you have manually loaded rifles where you fire a bullet and then you have to physically yourself put another bullet in the chamber. You have semi-automatic guns and then you have fully automatic machine guns. None of these mass public shootings have involved machine guns. None of the crimes generally or murders generally involve uh, machine guns. Since the 1930s, there's been like one murder with, uh, with a machine gun. And uh, the thing is, though, regular people benefit a lot from having semi-automatic guns. There's a reason why almost all the guns sold in the United States are semi-automatics. And that is, if you're attacked by multiple criminals, or if you fire and miss, or if you fire and wound the attacker but don't incapacitate them, you may really wish that you could quickly fire a second bullet. And and you may not have the luxury of time to manually reload your rifle there uh, in order to fire it. Um, so, you know, uh, I think a lot of these gun control laws that they push are more likely to make it difficult for law-abiding citizens to defend themselves than it's going to be uh, to stopping criminals. To be clear, I'm not a gun owner, but I support the Second Amendment because all you have to do is look at history and see what happens once citizens become disarmed and tyranny takes over. And so for that reason alone, I support the Second Amendment because I think it serves on a check against tyranny and it serves on a check of keeping America free. So that's why I support guns personally. You know, how challenging is it as a researcher in today's political climate looking at the media? I mean, how much misinformation is out there? You know, how much does that change the perception on a lot of these conversations of just a lot of these reports coming from a place of, you know, a lack of understanding or, or from falsehoods? It has a huge impact. I'll give you one example. Uh, you know, the, the theme uh, under the Biden administration is that in order to reduce violent crime, we have to have gun control. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just because I deal with these numbers all the time. I'm just astounded by the discussion. Uh, less than 8% of violent crime involves guns. Now, I, I don't think that Biden's solutions, even for that 8%, are going to be very useful. But, you know, the way you reduce gun violence is the same way you reduce violent crime generally. You have to make it risky for criminals to go and commit crime. And you know, as you were alluding to earlier with prosecutors, you have district attorneys around the country who are refusing to prosecute very violent criminals. Uh, you've had uh, many urban areas, over half, even two-thirds of inmates have been released from jails. Uh, you've had police budgets being cut. Uh, in New York City, they cut the police budget by a billion dollars a year. In Chicago, uh, in 2020, they they eliminated 400 positions uh, from full-time law enforcement uh, there in the city. 
um, you know, they've had other restrictions on how police are able to go and do their job. You've had bail reform. I mean, the bail reform is just crazy. Um, you know, the guy who drove his SUV through the Christmas crowd in uh, Wisconsin, um, he uh, was facing charges. He had been arrested for an attempted murder of the mother of his child with his car. He had tried to run her over. Uh, he was facing attempted murder charges there. He was facing other felony charges. Uh, he was facing 25 years or so in prison for all the different crimes that he was facing already. W what are you going to do? You're going to, the 25 years in jail that he's facing didn't stop him. But if you go and uh, say, well, if he kills six more people and, and sends 60 some people to the hospital, um, you know, we'll give him an additional uh, six life sentences. You know, if he's already essentially facing, he's 38 years old, uh, facing 25 years uh, or in jail. Uh, the guy, you know, the guy is going to be in his 60s when he gets out. Um, uh, it's almost as if he's already facing a life sentence that's there. Uh, and you have people, you know, in, uh, in New York or other places that are facing long prison sentences. They get out with little or no bail that's there. Uh, is it surprising that they go and commit other crimes when there's really no additional penalty that you can put on them because they're already facing long prison sentences? Uh, it's just crazy stuff. But you, the bottom line is you want to you want to make it risky. Biden's given four major addresses on violent crime, um, and uh, in those four speeches, he's never mentioned the district attorneys once. He's never mentioned all the inmates being released from jails once. Um, he, uh, he goes, and he's mentioned police four times, but when he's mentioned police, it's been in terms of them enforcing gun control laws. You know, if I were Biden, when he gave his big talk in New York in February, I would have gone in and said, look, uh, you know, you've cut the police budget by a billion dollars a year. You know, you is it surprising that you've had an increase in violent crime that's occurred here? It's insane. You know, t take us through. So the Senate has released their proposal on what they want to do on, you know, guns and, and their way they're trying to address the Uvalde shooting. You know, take us through. We kind of we already got into red flag laws, which is part of it. They want to try to increase and encourage states uh, to administer red flag laws. Uh, you know, they're trying to increase that. But take us through, you know, the rest of it. What do you think of it? What's your takeaway? Would any of it help? Would any of it hurt? You know, kind of just take us through uh, broadly sort of what you think about what you've read so far on it. The devil is going to be in the details on what they do here. And, uh, you know, we're just going to have to see what they end up coming down to uh, in terms of the agreements. I, you know, right now it's a very vague sketch on, uh, on what they're proposing. Um, you know, they want to, uh, they're talking about things like, um, uh, having go after straw purchasers. I, I have no idea what they're talking about there. They're talking about, um, uh, things like, uh, uh, more strictly regulating, uh, uh, licensed dealers. Well, okay. Uh, again, I don't know what they mean. I mean, you look at, what Biden's done on something like uh, licensed firearms dealers, he's adopted a uh, so-called zero-tolerance approach where he's having uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosive Expert agents go in and check paperwork. Uh, Biden has this description of licensed dealers selling guns out of the back of their store to uh, criminals, and that's, that's what's happening. And that's not what they're going after. They're looking to see whether they have any paperwork mistake, no matter how tiny, no matter how trivial, over, let's say, the last 15 years. And if they find one mistake, you're out of business. Uh, it can be a very trivial, tiny paperwork mistake. But, and they've already put thousands uh, of, of licensed gun dealers, something like 5,000 or so, out of business. Uh, and it's just getting going. I assume when they get the new... Uh, ahead of the ATF in there, uh, they'll go even more full bore uh, on doing that. And, uh, you know, um, 
I, I don't know whether the Democrats want to try to codify that more or make it even more restringent or whatever that's going to be there. I assume the Republicans will push back. I, I don't know whether they'll even come to an agreement on something like that. Um, so uh, they want to have uh, changed the rules for people under 21 buying a gun. Um, uh, my understanding is from this, uh, the uh, Texas school shooter had uh, a, f- uh, a felony charge that was on his record as a juvenile, uh, domestic, or at least a domestic violence charge. And, uh, and so they want to make it so you can go and look at uh, the juvenile records. Look, if somebody's 17 and a half and they commit a crime, uh, do you learn something about them when they turn 18? Sure. Okay, I I don't think there's just because you become 18, we don't learn something about things about you that you did earlier. Traditionally, what's happened is we've said if somebody makes uh, does a crime when they're 14, 15, 16 or whatever, um, you know, people make stupid mistakes when they're young. We don't want them to follow that for the rest of their lives. And so we've sealed juvenile records that are there. So much of the gun control debate focuses on one particular instance. As far as I know, in the last 25 years, um, uh, the Texas school shooting is the only case where we had somebody who had a juvenile record like that uh, who, uh, in theory, could have been prevented from legally at least obtaining a gun uh, if this had been included in his records. My impression is that Democrats want to make this a ban for all ages. Um, uh, you know, and so you just have an additional thing that they put on that's going to disqualify people for life from owning guns. So, you, you know, you've, we talked about mental illness before. If you, if you have uh, a problem, let's say, when you're 18 or 20 and you're involuntarily committed, you're banned for life from being able to go and own a gun. It may have been a one-time transitory thing that occurred. Uh, You may be perfectly fine uh, when you're 30 or 40 or 50, uh, but you're still banned for life from being able to go and have a gun. Um, So, uh, you know, I understand uh, that we can learn stuff about people from their behavior when they're a juvenile, um, the question is going to be where do you end it and how do you make sure it's ended at that point? Because uh, once you kind of unseal these juvenile records and they're put into these other systems, uh, I'm not sure how easy it is to go and uh, remove it. So would the number one thing be to, to stop these school shootings to get rid of gun-free zones? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we did a report where... The, People can find it at our website at crimeresearch.org, where we looked at all the discharges of firearms on school property from 2000 on. Um, Anything from an accidental discharge by a police officer all the way up to a mass public uh, school shooting. And uh, um, we have 20 states, including uh, parts of Texas, where you have armed teachers and staff. 30% of the schools in Texas have armed teachers and staff. Uh, But this attacker picked a school where teachers and staff were banned from being able to go and have guns. Um, So you literally, when you look at these thousands of, uh, or these 20 states, you have thousands of schools that have armed teachers and staff. You cannot find one attack where anybody has been wounded or killed anywhere near during school hours when teachers would be around uh, at at any of those schools where teachers and staff are armed. Uh, All the school shootings, every single one where anybody's been wounded or killed, has occurred at at places where teachers and staff are banned from having guns. Look, you have two different types of signs that you put in front of schools. Either they have signs that say this school is a gun-free zone, or you have a sign that says, warning, select teachers and staff are carrying concealed handguns and will use them to go and uh, protect students and others here at the school. Um, you know, uh, 
a lot of people, even Republicans, are saying, well, we need to have one police officer in each school. I don't think people appreciate what an incredibly difficult job having one person in uniform faces in stopping these attacks. Uh, If you have one person and only one person who has a gun and he's in uniform, he's readily identifiable. Uh, You know, uh, we talked about the Buffalo shooting. The Buffalo shooter had cased the grocery store. He knew that there was one armed guard there. He knew where the one armed guard was stationed uh, in uniform. Uh, who do you think he took out first? They, they know if they take out the one person in uniform first, they're going to have free reign to go after everybody else because they're the only person with a gun in these places. You know, if you're going to have a guard at a place or a police officer, for, for heaven's sakes, don't put them in uniform Don't make them readily identifiable. If you're going to have one police officer, make them a gym teacher or something, okay, Uh, so they blend in uh, so that the attackers don't know who it is that they have to go and try to take out first. These attackers have real strategic advantages. If If you're a police officer and you're guarding an elementary school, I mean, talk about a boring job, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month, nothing happens. It's hard to be on your toes all the time there. You don't have eyes in the back of your head. We're talking about one guard. It's very expensive to put one full-time police officer in each of these schools. And, uh, And the benefit is relatively small. And besides, if you have teachers and staff caring, uh, you make the job of that one uniformed officer much safer uh, because the attackers, you know, put your signs out in front of the school warning the attackers. Because what happens is the attackers have to reveal their position when they start firing at the officer. And they have to worry that maybe somebody behind them or to the side somebody that they can't identify to begin with. Well, and we saw, you know, there was recently, you know, a Texas church shooting where a congregant was able to take out, you know, so we've seen this happen. And there was also, uh, you know, not too long ago at a party in West Virginia, a woman with a pistol was able to take out, you know, but uh, Dr. John Lott, I I really appreciate your time. You know, thank you so much for joining the show. Well, just one one quick thing. Uh, On our website at crimeresearch.org, we have dozens of those types of cases that you're mentioning. Rarely do these cases get national news coverage, and often when they do, the media gets it wrong. Uh, But just in the last few years, we have dozens of these cases up on our website, uh, dramatic cases, uh, where if the people weren't there with their permanent concealed handguns, we're talking about in public places, Uh, you know they would have gotten national and international news coverage. These are cases where the police themselves have said that multiple people would have been killed if it hadn't been for the presence of of the permit holder. So just in conclusion, my my guess is the entire debate that we have right now would be dramatically different if the types of stories that you were just referring to got national news coverage. And even once in a while, and even, and also... If you got, uh, when they cover these mass public shootings, if once in a while they would go and mention we've had yet another mass public shooting where guns are banned. It's often the easiest thing for the reporters or whatever to go and check. Instead, they'll go and say, well, we think he used this type of gun or we think he got it this way. Things that are often wrong. You know, these last couple of attacks, we've had multiple news stories about these guys supposedly wearing body armor. You know, uh, the news media just completely gets this stuff wrong. They lie through their teeth and it's it's unfortunate, which is you know why we try to do segments like this on this show. Uh, Dr. John Lott, I appreciate your time. Take care, sir. Have a great day. Thank you. John Lott. So I try to bring you a bunch of different guests on the show to really dig into a lot of the hot button issues, the issues that impact your lives. And, and obviously, members of Congress literally coming from your guns as law abiding citizens is worthy of, of an episode on this show. So I hope you enjoy the show. If you don't mind, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can rate us five stars as well. Please share with your family 
and friends. And, and I, I thank you so much for listening. And I want to thank John Cassio, my executive producer, for all the work that he does to put this together as well. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, this new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.